This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. I'll say one of my biggest pet peeves or the biggest things that makes me judge a company, especially a large corporation, is when they have multiple pages on their website or maybe even an entire website about their DEI efforts and it's not accessible, (laughs) right? Like a person with disabilities cannot even read your website about how you care about diversity, equity, inclusion. And, And to me, like that's when I start to be like, well, this is just lip service. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode. You know, when we talk about inclusive businesses and workplaces, one of the aspects that are frequently overlooked is technology accessibility for the accessibility challenge. You know what? Even I must admit that my team has not included all the available options that we probably could on our own website and tech platforms. So to help demystify how we all can be better leaders who champion accessibility, we have on today's show Amber Hines, who is the CEO of Equalize Digital Incorporated. And that firm is a specialist on technology accessibility for all. Amber's firm helps businesses, organizations, and companies to conduct accessibility audits and implement inclusive technology features. She's also the maker of the accessibility check-in plugin and is the lead organizer of the WordPress Accessibility Meetup and the WordPress Accessibility Day Conference. So after you enjoy this episode today, um, please be sure to stay tuned and listen for my closing segment called Karen's Take where I share a tip on how to use the insights from today's episode to further your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Hi there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode of the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. I am over the moon, absolutely over the moon, to have such an expert on our podcast today. Um, I'm so thrilled to introduce Amber Hines, who is the founder and CEO of Equalize Digital. And Equalize Digital is a company that really strives to create a world where all people have access to information on the internet, regardless of their level of ability. And we're going to dig into that in just a minute, but it is definitely an area that all leaders of all levels need to know about. So welcome to the podcast, Amber. 
Thanks for having me, Karen. I'm excited to be here. Oh, fantastic. And we're truly excited for you to share a few tips for our leadership playbook. Um, I know that uh, you have a ton to share, and I'm really eager to delve deep on your mission and what you all do at Digital um, Equalize Digital. I'm sorry. But before we uh, dive deep into that, I, for as much as you feel comfortable, I would love for you to share a little bit about your personal life, maybe where you were uh, born and grew up, um, and then um, a little bit about your professional journey, journey up to founding the company. Sure. So while well, I was born in New Hampshire, but I mostly grew up in Iowa, so kind of a Midwestern girl. Nice. Um, and I've lived all over. So my husband and I have lived um, for a long time. So he he's my co-founder in the business. But um, he and I, before that, he was in restaurants. And so we have lived everywhere from Nantucket Island off the coast of Massachusetts to super northern Wyoming. And we're currently just north of Austin. And we've lived in a few other states be <laughs> beyond that. So we have moved around a lot and gotten to experience a lot of the country, which is really neat with getting to experience different people and different locations. Um, I actually have a philosophy degree, which might give you background. I was very interested in ethics when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And then when I got out of college, I worked in higher ed in graduate and adult enrollment um, for two different colleges in New York State. And then um, got into web development while I was on Nantucket, being mostly a stay-at-home mom with our oldest and was like, how can I do some extra stuff? So I got into web development and marketing and ran a marketing agency. And um, with that, I had the ability to start working with some higher education and some government clients and really started to learn more about the importance of accessibility on the web for people with disabilities and making sure that websites work well for everyone, even if they're using assistive technology. Yeah. And, and so that sort of became the inspiration for the pivot into accessibility. And we're a certified B Corporation, which is, you know, it's, it really is a way that we try and show how important this is to us and, and really living that we live what we preach. I love that. Can you share with our listeners a little bit more about what a Certified B Corporation is? Sure. So a uh, Certified B Corporation is a for-profit company that has a triple bottom line. So we actually have written into our operating agreement. So we are a, a, a registered corporation in Delaware, um, mm -hmm. but we have written into um, our corporate bylaws that we're not just going to benefit our shareholders. We also benefit our employees and we also benefit the community around us. And the Certified B Corporation is an independent certification that you can go through and very small companies can do it to very large, um, like Ben and Jerry's and Patagonia, they are Certified B Corporations. Mm -hmm. And it's an independent audit of your finances, of your employee handbook, of who your clients are or customers are and all of those sorts of things to sort of show that you're doing things. And there's five different areas that they look at um, with related to how your corporation runs or company mm -hmm. runs. You don't have to be a corporation. You can be an LLC or a sole proprietorship even. And, and sort of someone says, okay, yes, you meet the standards. You get a score over a certain amount and then you can become a certified B Corporation. 
Oh, I love Well, congratulations on that. That is Thank amazing. You. And I really wanted you to share that because um, a lot of leaders are balancing between, you know, staying at their organizations or they're running their businesses. And so I just wanted mm-hmm. to open the eyes to some of our listeners about some of the possibilities that are not quite as mainstream in discussions, but are super, super valuable. Um, yeah. And I think... Oh, if you don't mind, I was just going to no, say go on, yes, on the, the B Corporation thing, I think if you're a, a company or a leader who really wants to create a values-driven organization, mm-hmm. becoming a certified B Corporation is a way to sort of cement that. And from a hiring perspective, we have really found that um, when we put jobs out, we're getting more applicants now and people are saying that that's something that attracts them because they're like, I know that you're not just saying you're a good place to work. Like, someone outside of you has come in and looked at you and said, yes, you're a good place to work. And it works for marketing too. So it's definitely something I always encourage businesses to look at if leaders are interested in, you know, going to that next step or beyond. Absolutely. And it's so important. Um, And I would definitely say it's important to your, your millennials and your Gen Zs, but I think there's an argument that it's important to everyone, no matter what, um, your ages per se, or in, in what uh, set that you claim uh, to be a part of, or what tribe you claim to be a part of. Um, I think in today's world, um, most people who are looking for new opportunities are looking for those companies that align with their values, especially if they're, you know, servant minded or mission minded. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. Definitely. I, I just wanted to, you know, quickly share. I'm sure you're very on top of this, but. Um, you know, with all of the um, interesting dynamics that are going on on our social media channels, especially like Twitter, um, I stumbled upon about a week ago uh, a thread where the accessibility um, engineers over at Twitter were very concerned about, um, you know, their whole team being laid off. And what that does um, for, you know, their pl- the platform in the community. And I was reading through the threads on people scrolling on how dependent a lot of um, um, able different, we'll say, uh, individuals, you know, depend upon those accessibility built-ins on websites and social media channels. And it was just fascinating, uh, maybe because I knew you were coming on. <laughs> On the podcast, it kind of jumped out at me to want to learn and read more, but um, it was just fascinating, their stories that they um, had shared. And so having said that, I'd love for you to share about why um, you started um, Equalize Digital and, you know, what are you seeing um, in the market right now as companies being sensitive toward accessibility on the Mm -hmm. Internet? Yeah, so I fell into accessibility almost accidentally. Uh, I started doing some work for Colorado State University. Um, My company started doing work for Colorado State University. And it was in 2016, the university... uh, So all federally funded websites, which would include universities because they get federal funds, um, have to be accessible by law in the United States. And in 2016, the, the university was still sort of figuring out 
what that would look like. And they brought us on to build a website for one of their departments. And they, uh, the first one we built, we did a little bit of accessibility testing, but it was pretty new for us. And it launched. And then the next one they had us do, they're like, hey, we're going to do an independent audit. And I was like, oh, boy, this is scary. <laughs> so it was a little bit of trial by fire. Um, but in doing that, we really realized uh, we had we started hiring people with disabilities to test our work and mm-hmm. having the opportunity to observe them using a screen reader, for example. So a blind person uses something that reads out everything on their screen, whether it's on their phone or on their computer mm-hmm. or a tablet. And, and seeing how they engage with the web, seeing the frustrations that they get there, and then being able to connect real faces. So I know in the early days, you know, one of our testers, his name was Devin. And it would be like, I like Devin. He's, he's a great person. He's a musician. He's interesting to talk to. I want things to work for Devin, right? And right. and and really making those personal connections mm-hmm. made me feel like okay, I need to I need to really prioritize this. I need to do more of this. And that's when we started having internal conversations where we're saying I don't think accessibility should be an option. All mm. of the websites we build for all of our clients should be accessible. Yeah. And that should just be the baseline, the understanding um and so, so that's sort of, I think, what got us into it was a little bit of accident, but then really being able to connect it with real people. And to your note about social media or even online shopping in the past two years, mm-hmm. with COVID and the way things change and some people not, even still, I've heard of some people who are concerned about going out into public because they have a chronic health condition right. and they're worried about what might happen to them. Um, you know, that makes these being able to connect on the web so much more important and having a support system and a lot for a lot of people social media is how they do that if especially if they live on their own um, mm-hmm. and so having social media or having the ability to buy something on a website or you know schedule an appointment with your doctor even if you aren't a typically abled person using a mouse and a keyboard is really important so that you know people can have what they need to live their best life I love that. And can you give us an example of just to make it real, something that you add in, uh, to websites to make it more accessible for individuals? Like what is an example? Um, so a, a basic example that takes about two seconds to code, but can make a huge difference is what's called a focus outline. So someone who doesn't use a mouse, and this could be someone who's blind is on a screen reader, or it could be someone who has a mobility challenge um, Mm -hmm. and they can't use their arms or maybe their fingers, like they have a lot of arthritis and, and, you know, moving around or holding the mouse in a certain way isn't comfortable for them. So it could be a lot of different people. They Mm -hmm. will use a keyboard only to navigate the web and uh, uh, they might be able to see but they can't use a mouse, so they can't point and click. So having the ability with the tab key, when you hit the tab key, you should Mm -hmm. see a box around the elements. And as you hit tab, it'll jump to the next one, like the next menu item, and it should have a box around it. You should be able to see where you are. So many websites are missing those focus outlines. And it literally, it takes, I don't know, two minutes to add that into your CSS for your website. And I know this isn't a developer podcast, but um, like it, it's such a quick change that can make a huge difference in the usability of a website. Love that. So um, 
So where where would you say, and I'm sorry, I'm thinking and talking at the same time, so I apologize, uh, listeners. Um, if I'm a leader in an organization, would I work with um, someone like your firm to take a fresh look at our web presence and websites and see where we can improve? Um or what would I do? How would I best engage if I do have sensitivity around this? Yeah. So if you haven't ever thought about accessibility and you want to get started, there's a few different ways you can go. Okay. Um, there are some automated tools. So if you have a WordPress website, we have one which is has a free version called Accessibility Checker. There's another mm. really popular one that has browser extensions called Wave um, mm-hmm. by WebAIM, A-I-M. Mm-hmm. Um, you could use one of those tools and what they do is they scan the website and they'll tell you if there's problems. Now, automated tools, including ours, they can't find everything. So you could also just go, like I talked about, load the front end of your webpage and see if you can do everything without a mouse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you fill in forms? Can you purchase a product? Everything without a mouse. Okay. Um, so you can do some stuff internally just to try and figure out, do you have problems? But I do think it is really helpful to bring in an accessibility expert or a person with disabilities to test the website if you're not familiar with accessibility. Um, because as I mentioned, the automated tools or even keyboard testing alone might not catch everything if you aren't familiar with it. And so right. it is really good to bring in someone who can advise you. And and the thing about accessibility is it doesn't, very rarely does it happen overnight. So even right. like Twitter, they were sort of late to the game of adding an accessibility team. I think they only added their team in 2020. Yeah, um, they said they were very new. Yeah, but they were making great strides, but it was improvements over time, right? And so where a company like ours can be helpful is that we can help you create a strategy around accessibility to be like, what can you change moving forward? What needs, you know, what is the timeline for fixing certain problems? Mm -hmm. And then also really educating your team and your company, anyone who touches it. So an interesting thing about website accessibility is it's not just the marketing department who's writing your blog posts mm-hmm. um, or the web developer who's building your website. One thing that people don't think about is that their support staff or their receptionist who answers the phone needs to be aware about website accessibility and why it matters. And, and the reason for this is, is that the first thing someone is going to do, unless they're deaf, yeah. um, is they're probably going to pick up the call the phone and call you if the website doesn't work. Right. Um, if they're deaf and you have like a live chat or a Facebook messenger, then they might try that. Right. right. Um, and, and they're going to say, I can't do this thing and I want to do it. If, if they are really interested in engaging with your company and they have to move forward, sometimes they just abandon and you lose a conversion, right? You lose a right. customer, but sometimes they ask for help. And so these other people, the receptionist doesn't have anything to do with your website, but she or he needs to know how to recognize that someone's communicating there's an accessibility problem on the website Mm -hmm. so that they can, one, help them, but also then go back to the marketing team or whomever it is and say, hey, I got, you know, someone wasn't able to book an appointment. I scheduled it for them. It's fine. But here's what they said happened. Mm -hmm. So then it can be followed up on and fixed for the next person. So it is really important to sort of figure out what the, the corporate policies 
around accessibility is, and, and it does, it goes way beyond, you know, even website because hopefully we have disability friendly practices in our hiring practices. We're supporting our employees with disabilities. And, and this could be anything from, you know, what we might consider a life altering disability to even someone who's colorblind. Like in some situations, if you're sending out corporate reports with graphs that have red and green pie charts, yeah, Some sorry. people in your employee team might not be able to read the pie chart to know how the company is doing, right? right? So there's a lot of places that this stretches to. You're so right. And um, I do you know, a lot of training and development of leaders. And that was one of the first things early on in, in, um, in my professional career. We always made sure to be sensitive to those who are color run and only use certain color markers and things like that. But it's those little touches that really make a difference. Um, in helping, you know, serve your clients or, um, or be a good team member, you know, if you're at an employer. So you're, you're so right. Um, are, I'm curious, are there any laws around what companies, how much accessibility companies must have? Like, are there minimum features that most companies who publish or anyone who's publishing on the web for commercial purposes needs to make sure that they have? Is there anything by law or is most of this um, just optional, but progressive companies try to incorporate it? So in the United States, the Americans with Disabilities Act Mm -hmm. does require that places with places of public accommodation and they have explicitly said a website, the Justice Department has said a website is a place of public accommodation, Mm -hmm. has to be accessible to people with disabilities and the communication needs to be equally effective people with disabilities. The -hmm. challenge in the United States is that the Americans with Disabilities Act doesn't outline specific guidelines for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where other countries or other laws in the United States, so the one I mentioned that affects um, universities would be Section 508. That specifically says you need to have web content accessibility guidelines 2.0 AA. So there's these specific set of standards and there's different levels of conformance or like success with those standards. Mm -hmm. Um, Ontario is probably one of the strictest ones. They require Mm -hmm. that um, any companies with 50 or more employees have to be conformant with Web Content Accessibility Guidelines 2.1 AA. They actually require every two years that any company with more than 25 employees has to file an annual report, or sorry, an biannual. So every two years, they have to file a report with the province about the accessibility of their website. Wow. Um, But there are laws all around the world. And what you have to keep in mind too, is even if your company isn't in Ontario, but if you have Nexus in Ontario, this is a lot like privacy laws (laughs) or paying taxes there, right? If you have an employee there, if you have a huge amount of customers there, if you warehouse your goods there, the accessibility laws may also apply to you as well. I'm not a lawyer, so I I know some of it. I'm not giving anyone legal advice here. I always recommend talking to your own lawyer. Um, But yes, there are, there are laws and guidelines and, and I think it is increasingly not just progressive companies that are doing this. We're hearing from companies of all different sizes Mm. um, from very small, like three, four person companies to very large ones um, that are getting complaints or getting sued um, for accessibility on their website here in the United States. 
Um, and in some countries, they're starting to send out fines from the government too. So, wow. And I, I believe I um, heard you mention somewhere where there the uh, the number of lawsuits that are being filed because of lack of accessibility have ticked up in the United States. Um, is that true, or did I misread read that? Uh, yeah. So it it's been increasing um, almost. I'd say like 50% increasing year over year, maybe not quite that much, but it's been a lot. I think the most common places are in California or New York um, Mm -hmm. is where those complaints are. But again, it's the same sort of thing like we were talking about Ontario. (laughs) Not to be a California business to get sued for website accessibility in California. Um, so, So yes, there is increase on that. And there are some law firms that track that and, and put out some reports. Um, Say forth is one that um, tracks accessibility laws under the it's and they're always under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Those lawsuits, absolutely. So one of the lessons for um, our audience, I just want to um, reinforce, is that wherever you're doing business or you're in. Imp- no matter if you're an employer or if you own your own business, make sure that you take the time to look up local, state, and federal laws in all of those. Well, federal is for the U.S. is you know across the U.S., but definitely your state, local, or country laws to make sure that you remain in compliance. Because um, as Amber mentioned, there are different countries and different states that have more stringent requirements than others um, at times. And you just need to just stay on top of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, one other question I have, Amber, is um, when you consult with organizations, is this something that is top of mind for companies, or is this something that's kind of um, kind of in the back, treading water until there's an issue that comes forward, or they're doing a, a, a redo of their websites and things? I'm just curious of how common um, this kind of consulting is out there. Well, so my company, Equalize Digital, all mm-hmm. we do is accessibility at this point. That's mm-hmm. our focus. So mm-hmm. I think our our customer base is a little different because companies come to us because they're looking for someone with accessibility. Now I will say there's a difference. We've had some companies that are proactively looking to do it, or they're like, we need a new website and we want to make sure it's accessible. So we're going to come to you to build it. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've also, we do audits and remediations of existing sites. And I would say a fair number of the inquiries that we get on that side is someone that's like, I am getting sued right now. (laughs) Or... I have been sued and I have a settlement agreement that says in 24 months, my website needs to be accessible. Can you help me? Um, So I think it's a mix of of organizations that are being really proactive about it, either because it it does match their corporate values or because they know they serve an audience, especially nonprofits. I've seen that where they serve an, an audience with a high percentage of disabilities and they really, they're like, how can we serve this audience if they can't even learn about us on our website? That's right. Um, and then I think from talking to other um, owners of agencies and web development shops, I, I do think in the last two or three years, I've noticed a significant 
uptick in just general conversations about it. We're primarily mm-hmm. in the WordPress space, and mm-hmm. I for sure in the WordPress ecosystem, which if people aren't familiar with, that's the content management system that we use. And it's used by 43% of the websites on the internet. So it's Mm a huge way. It's like the majority (laughs) of websites are built with WordPress. But WordPress has a whole community around it. And I feel like in the last two years, maybe even year and a half, I've actually noticed more blogs about accessibility in WordPress and more mm-hmm. conversations on some of the the news sites that talk about WordPress about accessibility. So I do feel like there, especially COVID, like really triggered this for people. Mm-hmm. And the Justice Department under Biden has been doing more um, enforcement <laughs> on especially federally funded and like the vaccine websites and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And so I think that started drawing some attention. There's been some conversations in the news that I've noticed recently about voter voting accessibility and some of the challenges people with disabilities have to with voting. And so I think anytime that conversation starts happening in the news, it makes organizations go, wait a minute, I don't want to be on that end of the news story. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right? So, so then they start Um, to say, okay, we should reassess our corporate practices around accessibility. And that frequently includes the website as well as other things as well. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, um, this is an important lens as companies think through their overall approach to um, DEI, um, DEIB, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, um, as they think through how to be inclusive with you know all of their employees and staff, as well as their clients and customers and those that they're, they're serving. Um, do you see a lot of your clients talk about it in context with DEI um, as well? Uh, and are there any connections we want to make sure leaders know how, how important this is to connect it to whatever their DEIB efforts are? Definitely. I I mean, I'll say one of the things that I see the biggest complaints um, with some of the people with disabilities who I'm friends with or that I follow on social media is that frequently DEI efforts leave out people with disabilities. They do. And they mm-hmm. focus on other groups, which are very important groups to focus on. But people with disabilities are also a group that has historically been left out and left behind. And and also, I mean, people with disabilities are significantly underemployed. Um, so they are also a group that really needs to be included in diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. Um, and frequently they're not. And I'll say one of my biggest pet peeves or the biggest things that makes me judge a company, especially a large corporation, mm-hmm. is when they have multiple pages on their website or maybe even an entire website about their DEI efforts and it's not accessible, (laughs) right? Like a person with disabilities cannot even read your website about how you care about diversity, equity, inclusion. And Mm -hmm. and to me, like that's when I start to be like, well, this is just lip service. Yeah, right. Right? Like you're you're only doing this because- you're, you're like worried about social media blowback or something that's if right. you don't, right? <laughs> you're and so, on. yeah. So I think, you know, that's the thing. Like we need to, mm-hmm. we need to live the values that our company is preaching yes. or says are their values. We need to actually live them. And so, um, yeah. I wish I could say that it is a lot of times. And sometimes we do, as I said, like there are people that are proactive and they're saying this is part of our DEI efforts is we need right. to be more accessible on the web. Um, but I think 
unfortunately, it gets forgotten a lot of times. So I'll ask you this. If there was one tip that you would could tell the world of, of leaders, one thing that they should always do um, or keep top of mind to ensure there's a culture of accessibility, what would that be? And what would you people, like them to do? They need to include people with disabilities. So there's a big phrase, um, nothing for us without us. Mm. So the best way that a company can ensure that they are supporting people with disabilities is maybe have um, a disabilities working group within their company um, or employee resource group that focuses on disabilities. Um, Or if you don't have anyone with disabilities working at your company, you might be surprised. You might (laughs) send out the email and there will be people who say, I have dyslexia. You had no idea they have dyslexia, right? Right. Um, but, But if they don't, find you can hire people with disabilities just even if it's not to be a full-time employee at your company maybe as a contractor to consult on some of your practices your policies they can test your website or your they can review your social media and flag things for you like hey you're forgetting to put alternative text on your images when you post on social media right um so really including people with disabilities is the number one way to ensure that you are um following best practices and are setting your company up to truly support people with disabilities. Love that. Absolutely. Thank you. We're going to add that to our requests on our leadership playbook on the list. We keep a running list of what our uh, guest advise to do. And we're definitely going to include your advice in our uh, leadership playbook for our, for our listeners. Um, So one of the questions I always ask our guests, um, as you know, I wrote a, a book and did some research on leadership execution and their behaviors and tactics that um, I talk about in the book. And I was just curious if there was one that kind of jumped out with that was meaningful for you out of those top seven. Yeah. So really going on, following up on what I just talked about, including people with disabilities, yeah. um, the stakeholder piece and yes. focusing on stakeholders yeah. um, as a leadership best practice. I mean, that right there, people with disabilities are stakeholders in your organizations, whether or not you realize it, right? That's they're right. your customers. They may be your employees. Um, there are other people in the community who encounter your business in one way or another. Um, so really, I think including stakeholders and and really considering what you know, what those people's role in your organization is mm-hmm. and and thinking about how you can incorporate their feedback and continue to really value your stakeholders is something that resonates a lot with me. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I will just share um, a few months ago, I went to speak at the um, Global Talent Summit in DC. And one of the things we were talking about when we were talking about talent pools was how more and more companies can't, should, and focus on um, being proactive and reaching out to those with both visible and non-visible disabilities, um, that they are an important, very astute part of the talent pool that is sometimes ignored when, Mm -hmm. you know, it could, you know, with a a small amount of accommodations, they could, um, you know, really impact, uh, positively impact your organization. So, um, you know, as much as I can help support and communicate our leaders out there um, to incorporate 
them not only in your talent pools, but make them an active part of the work that you all do. Seek out their advice, guidance, support, not single them out, but, you know, allow their perspectives just like you would allow others. Um, I think it'll make your, your companies and your businesses, you know, better. This is mm-hmm. Karen's perspective anyway. <laughs> I, I, I think I couldn't have said it better myself. Really? <laughs> All right, Miss Amber, before we round everything out, um, my, I'm going to do our last segment, which we call full disclosure. There are no gotcha questions on this. It's just some <laughs> kind of fun facts that we love sometimes to ask um, our guests. And so my first fun question for you is, um, what is your favorite meal? My favorite what do you meal? like to eat? Yes. Well, first of all, my husband was a professional chef. <laughs> oh, you're so, so lucky. I will sign up and say that anything I don't cook, which I pretty <laughs> much don't cook at all, so anything he makes, but um, I am 100% a breakfast person. Are you? And he makes egg sandwiches that are to die for. Like, I, oh. I don't even know. Like, you take one bite and you're just, like, exploding with joy. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I'll probably um, say that, I'll but I am also a chocolate holic and I always have really good, like 80, 90% dark chocolate in my desk drawer. Like Do you? Yeah. Oh, that's I a have to change what drawers I hide them in because my children know and they come into my office and they're, <laughs> they're like trying to steal it. So it migrates around, but I always have dark chocolate too. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Very, now I know what to get you for um, your present, you know, ah. get you some, sneak you some dark chocolate. <laughs> Um, what is, uh, one app or resource that you just can't live without? Uh, Basecamp. So Mm. Basecamp, if someone's not familiar, is a project management tool. Mm -hmm. We use it in our company, but dorkily enough, my husband and I also have a Basecamp for our life. (laughs) We have at times like forced our parents to use it, like when they were helping with a renovation on our house or like other things. And so, yeah, Basecamp is pretty much how we manage everything, both in work and in real life. (laughs) Hey, you... If it keeps yep. you organized and keeps you sane, I'm I'm with it. Any kind of tool. Yep. <laughs> that is fantastic. And then my last question for you, what would be a great birthday gift for you? A great birthday gift? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what would make you uh, well, go, wow? <laughs> you know, so we tend to try and do more experiences than things. Yeah. Um, that's something we've tried a lot with our children. Uh, Great. So I always appreciate a facial. <laughs> hey, it's a little thing. I love a facial as well yeah. and a mani-pedi. <laughs> yeah. But I will say this this Christmas, um, which I know this is going to come out after Christmas, so we'll see whether or not I got it. But I told my husband I really wanted a little free library because <laughs> oh. they have the kids. And I was like – I let's get one, let's put it out and we can share books with the world. And so I was like, that's what I want my Christmas present to be. Oh, so. that would be wonderful. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that you get yeah. that. <laughs> Follow me on social media. If I get one, I'll, I'll uh, send a picture of it. And if I don't, then I guess I'll have a sad face. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no sad faces. We're not having that here. <laughs> well, Amber, this has been a complete delight. And I know I personally have learned quite a bit. And I'm sure our listeners have too. And I want to thank you so much for your gift of time 
to share some fantastic tips with us. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. And listeners, um, be sure to check out our show notes. Um, As you know, we'll have links and information about Amber and how to reach her. Definitely check her and her business out. Um, They have a lot of advice that is hard to find. It's not something that you see every single day, but um, it's work that is really meaningful. And as top leaders, we want to make sure to include all individuals, including those with a type of disability. So thank you all so much. Be sure to subscribe and rate and tell a friend to uh, listen to the podcast and we will see you next episode. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Amber Hines, CEO of Equalize Digital Incorporated. Links to her bio, her entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources can be found in the show notes, both on your favorite podcast platform of choice and at leadyourgamepodcast.com. Now for Karen's take on today's topic of technology accessibility. You know, in today's workplace, technology is one of the central drivers of productivity and success, you know, for all workers. And according to the Partnership on Employment and Accessible Technologies, uh, which is more affectionately known to us as PEAT, P-E-A-T, accessibility really means that everyone can use the exact same technology as everyone else, regardless of whether they can, like, manipulate a mouse Uh, No matter how much vision they have, no matter how many colors they can see or how much they can hear or how they process information. More broadly, you know, areas where employers may need to address technology accessibility issues include web-based internet and internet information and applications, email and other electronic correspondence, software applications and operating systems, video and multimedia products, desktop and portable computers, uh, things like self-contained products such as calculators, copy machine printers, and also online job applications. You know, don't forget to keep accessibility in mind when using artificial intelligence because, you know, AI is becoming increasingly common to screen applicants, streamline business processes, provide trainings to individuals, and otherwise facilitate all business operations. But employers must ensure that the use of AI does not inadvertently hinder efforts to recruit, hire, retain, or advance people with disabilities. Well, I learned a lot out of this show, and I hope you did too. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and see you next week. Bye. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. 
And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.